Golf's no different from hockey. Requires talent, self-discipline. Golf requires goofy pants and a fat ass. You should talk to my neighbor, the accountant, probably a great golfer, huge ass. How do you measure yourself with other golfers? By height. It's a very, very special honor. I'm Paula Creamer, and you're listening. Well, we're waiting. Hi, this is Martin Cove, a.k.a. John Kreese from Cobra Kai. And you're listening to Quiet, Please. Let the word go out from here across the land. Let Daddy Noonan uh, approve. Hiya, boys. Nice day for golf, eh? Quiet, please. Oh, you got secrets, eh? Hey, this is Shooter McGavin. You're listening to the... Hey, you guys. Hey, we're trying to have a podcast over here. (laughs) And welcome to the next episode of Quiet, Please. It's a Hall of Fame episode. It's a real privilege to have Hall of Famers as our guests. And we have two of them tonight. Uh, unfortunately, Alan and Christian are on assignment. They're probably playing golf somewhere. Right. Uh, so they can't join us. But as usual, it'll be myself, uh, Boston Bob, now in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, and joined by our friend in Florida, Brennan Elliott, the king of little linksers. Good evening. Good evening. And my fellow New Englander, Andy <laughs> Hydorn, in the uh, out west now in the Houston area. That's right. And so tonight, very wicked excited. So there's three of us from New England. We might drop some wickeds and a little drinking out of the peps or the uh, Patriots cup. And he's got his hat on. And uh, so we're going to start with uh, a couple of introductions. Now, our two guests tonight, Lock, Jan Stevenson, icons in really the game of golf. Uh, James from Cambridge, Massachusetts. Legends Hall of Famer, joined the LPGA Tour in 69, LPGA Rookie of the Year in 69, and winning the inaugural Dinosaur event. I mean, that's a big deal. Uh, 27 wins on the LPGA Tour, 34 wins worldwide, still winning, still in the winner's circle, uh, winning just a week or two ago at the DJ's Charity Championship. And this is something that, uh, Jane, I don't know if people can comprehend, but you had 299, 299 consecutive cuts made on the LPGA Tour. Amazing. Yeah, look, all the Sundays I missed, you know, watching football. <laughs> <laughs> I had to play. That and is we're also privileged to have uh, another icon in the game of golf, uh, Jan Stevenson, originally from Down Under in Sydney, Australia, World Golf Hall of Fame member, Legends Hall of Fame member, as Jan is. And with 16 LPGA Tour wins, three majors, including a U.S. Open. So we want to talk about that a little bit as we get into this. Four wins on the Legends. But also, uh, you've been in around the team competition and international matches from 2006 to 2014. Just about every one of those with the uh, ISPS Handa Cup. So we want to get your perspective on Australia on the, on the Solheim Cup, uh, Jan. Numerous tour Australian wins and then turn and pro in 73, also a rookie of the year on the LPGA. So we got two rookie of the years here. <laughs> Amazing. So welcome. Thank you. This is the most so, decorated guest panel we've ever had. Like, <laughs> yeah. Nope, no question. So thank you two for coming on. I mean, we could... Well, I had to I had to work hard to get those bios tight because there's just so much you two have done <laughs> in the game for the game, um, and we're going to talk a lot about that. So, uh, you know, for our listeners, there's a lot of this will be an amazing show. We've had some incredible 
Yes, but this is a real, I mean, this is a very, very wicked special for sure. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we, I mean, we might as well start with the recent, it just finished the Solheim Cup. It was over in Spain, a uh, very demanding golf course, and it ends up in a tie, 14-14. But, you know, we can, we'll start, well, we'll start with Jen. You played in international competitions in the Handa Cup, and what were your impressions of the Solheim Cup that just finished? Well, I thought it was great that it was a tie. I think that was probably as good as the Americans could do, so that was good for them. But it's always nice when you see the home the home country do well and um, to see Saganda, you know, come through. It, I, the reason I think it's good is that every time that Europe has won, um, it's it creates a huge response for junior golf. Uh, and so, you know, we have, there's plenty of good junior golfers in America, but it is really nice to see. And plus you've got the gallery and everybody celebrating. It's kind of, you know, it's like when a football team, when, you know, when they win or baseball, when they win the world series and then they've got to go home to celebrate. It's just nothing like celebrating right there. That's a great point about the juniors for sure. Uh, Jane, what did you think about that? Oh, I thought it was a perfect ending. Um, you know, it's hard to say it's a tie uh, because uh, the Europeans won. <laughs> so in my mind, that means the USA lost because you can't have two winners, but the game of golf won in the long run. I mean, it was just, it was incredible golf. The competition was amazing. That golf course was so difficult. And, uh, you know, as Jan mentioned, the, the shots that Saganda hit coming in on the last two holes to win it, or I'm under that pressure. I mean, I, I can't even imagine, uh, you know, Jan and I both played, you know, my one regret in golf is that I Solheim Cup was after me. I never got to play it. But Jan, remember, we played the U.S. versus Japan several times. Yeah, yeah so it was great. Have, we did have an international competition and, you know, to hear our anthems. I mean, that was that was really fun. Uh and uh, and the Honda Cup, uh, I organized it so I didn't get to play in it. But Jan uh -huh. did. I mean, that was that was a really cool event. It was, and he gets so nervous. And that's, I think, all the players have said that, whether it's Ryder Cup, whether it's Solheim or, or you know, and, and the Honda Cup, when you're playing for somebody else, it is the most nervous. You, I mean, I had to make a putt to win the event um, in in Tennessee, and it's the most nervous I've ever been. I made it, but it was, like, the most nervous, even more than a major. That was so exciting. And that's all everyone talked about, how you you made, was it Lisa Lott was your partner, right? Was no, no, that was the individual. So it was against Sherry Turner in the last, okay. in the last day. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, that, that was great. It seems, it seems as if there's some players that are more dialed into the individualness of, of golf as they play it all the time. And others really thrive on the team thing. They thrive on kind of, getting riled up and, and it elevates their game. And it, it uh, seems to be something that, that happens both on the Solheim side as well as the Ryder Cup side. That's true. I mean, it's really, it. some people love it, you know, and I think that's probably one of the reasons that they even, you know, that, that Zach Johnson chose Justin Thomas because yeah. I really didn't think that was a good pick, but he does relish the match play and being part of the whole team and playing with Jordan. Um, so, so I, I can see why they, he would choose him because that, for that very reason. You know, for yeah. the both of you, I've been writing a lot this week for uh, PGA.com on, on 
the team competitions last week and the one coming up this week. What, from your experience, both of your experiences playing in team competition, how did you have to adjust your game um, from that as opposed to individual play? Well, you, you do have to, de depending whether it's the foursomes or the best ball. I mean, usually, you know, you when you do teams, they'll they'll try to get somebody in the best ball that's very steady, that makes a lot of pars, and then then the you know someone that's aggressive that can make a lot of birdies. But the hardest part is that when you're playing, especially an alternate shot, when you you really want to go for the putt, you don't want to, you know ever leave it short. But you don't want to leave your partner anything over three feet because, you know, you feel so bad about it. So then you're always in the back of your mind trying to make sure that you never leave your partner a hard shot. So it's that extra pressure. Jane? Janie? Yeah. Oh, I mean, no, it's uh, it, it's it's just so scary. And it, it's a lot of it's just um, kind of the relationship with the person, feeling comfortable, never having to say you're sorry. <laughs> That's true. Because particularly, you know, and internationals play more foursomes, certainly than we do. So uh, sure. I was surprised that the, uh, you know, in the Solheim Cup, the uh, USA adopted that, you know, for love start, uh, because that's what usually the Europeans excel at. So, uh, but it's, it's about chemistry. And it's, you know, it's who makes the four foot putts, who makes those 20 foot putts. I mean, there's so much chance involved. Um, yes, it's skill, but it's always making your partner feel comfortable. You know, I wanted to get your thoughts on something that Captain Stacy Lewis had mentioned, and I have my own thoughts. Uh, but, you know, when she mentioned, she thought it might be a missed opportunity that with the PGA of America, the Ryder Cup, and trying to enhance both of them. And I, I do think there was something that could have been done that could have maybe elevated it, but it ended up being back-to-back, -back, may never happen again. Uh, but just wanted to get your feet, you know, just sort of perspective on that. Uh, Jan, I, I don't have any real thoughts on it, but it's just, um, I mean, the Ryder Cup is a big deal. I mean, the guys get so much more media attention. Um, I don't, I, I think it was just, it's because of COVID. The reason the events happened to fall in the same year, and obviously they've adjusted to that because next year the Solheim Cup will be in the uh, Washington, D.C. area. So they won't be at the same time. Um, I think it was a coincidence, both, you know, Spain and Italy, you know, countries over there, are not that far apart. Um, but the uh, Ryder Cup is always going to get more attention. But I think with the finish of the Solheim Cup, that's certainly going to uh, make a difference going forward. Well, I think they should keep it the way it is. I mean, I because they're still going to go opposite President's Cup now because they go to even. Yeah. But yep. the thing that I felt they they missed out on was not I, I like the fact that they were back to back, but I have suggested over and over to the PGA and the LPGA why they don't do a, a president's cup where it's mixed to be different because the president's cup is yep. gets killed by the Americans, you know, because um they they're just so strong and it's never really a competition. But if you had the LPGA with as strong as they are on the Pacific Rim, mm -hmm. now you'd be it, and it would make it different because you've already got Solheim, you've already got Ryder Cup, and and mix it up because and and I even I even went to the Australian um, the media there and the government because when we have our golf dues in you know kind of like our USGA and our 
PGA dues in Australia, some of the tax, the money for that is used for expenses for the President's Cup. And so my taxes go towards the President's Cup, but why don't they go towards a Women's President's Cup? And I've always felt like they're really missing out to be something totally different. And like in Australia this year, um, we have the, the uh, Australian Open and they do it every year. They did it last year as well. And what they do is they have the the LPGA and the PGA play at the same time on the same golf course. Yeah. And this year it's it's going to be um, the PGA, the LPGA, well, they, the women's PGA and all abilities. And so you have one, one pairing will be PGA, the next pairing is LPGA, and then the next pairing is all abilities. And it's so fun and everybody loves it. So the first two days they play two courses and then after the cut they all play the one golf course. And I just thought that, and it's so popular. And I just think that they're really missing out not doing that with President's Cup. Jan, remember when uh, Mr. Honda started that, you and I played. Uh, in right. Six, and it's the first time it was wonderful. You had the Australian PGA and we played for more money than the men. And that really <laughs> I know. That's <laughs> right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. We passed, our prize money was four times more than the men's. Wow. <laughs> and we really celebrated that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, we're probably going back about 15 years ago. Yeah, but that's this, right. You know, the ISPS Honda, Mr. Honda started that. So the Legends Tour was his first kind of foray into the game of golf. And he supported us in many events. But that was particularly special. And you know what? Remember the next one we had when we were in Japan? He wanted, because, you know, they celebrate the older players and older people more in Japan, that every 10 years you had 10 yards start. Because I remember that I was I was paired with Ian Baker Finch and he was 49 mm. and he had to go back with the PGA and he was all upset because he needed one more <laughs> year and he could have had the forward tees. Boy, I, I'd be chipping. <laughs> well that's how and that's only fair i mean that's what's so great about golf is that you can handicap you know the only two ways you can handicap is with tees or with actually a handicap so yeah. i just feel like they don't take advantage of that janie when you run your tournaments you do you know we always have the super seniors and and, and it makes it fair because as we get older how do you compete with a kari webb or an annika you can't you know they're 20 years younger or more and it yeah, goes, it goes we, we, fast. We <laughs> it goes fast. Once it starts to leave you, <laughs> it leaves you pretty quickly. Oh, I know. <laughs> I mean, I think after 60, it went downhill fast. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, but we can still putt, Jan. You know, uh, Bob, in the intro, you mentioned that I won the BJs. But ironically, Pat Bradley won it the year before, and Jan won it the year before that. So uh, I guess we can still do something well. Yeah, and we didn't even have the forward tees, but you, but you That's definitely right. played. You played great this this year. That was really incredible. Yeah. Now, Andy was... mentioned Andy mentioned something about you know you, you can lose the game after sixty. I just turned sixty. It's like sort of getting sobering. Um, <laughs> I don't hit it over three hundred yards anymore, and it's a bummer. And you know, I was into uh, Andy's comment. You both have played at the highest level of competition and, and Jen, you mentioned about the pressure of that putt you made. And, you know, it was, it was unfortunate. Lexi had that sideways shot and kind of made the social media rounds. And um, have you two at your level, do you remember, because a lot of times I remember my worst shots. I remember the best <laughs> shots, but is there a particular shot you wish you had over? Oh my gosh. There's so many. 
I, I hate to think this. There's so many where I actually went for it. Um, actually, probably the dinosaur. I, I went for it in, on uh, the last hole and because I thought I had to birdie to get into a playoff with Judy Rankin. And I went for the putt and it was probably a 12-footer and I ran it like three feet by and I missed it coming back. And as it turned out, if I'd have just two-putted, oh. I would have gone into a playoff. And I'll I'll never forget because um, it was one of those times when the commentator said, you know, that putt cost you like, and it was that, and back then Dinah Shaw was by far the most money, wasn't it, Janie? It oh, was, it like was a five huge, times bigger than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the commentator said, you know, when they interviewed me and they said, you know, that that putt cost you like 17,000. I started crying. I was like, <laughs> it was mm. awful. So I, I have a question about, about the dinosaur and, um, you know, it, it, it moved here to Houston and, you know, one of the things we talk about on the show a lot is that venues and events are the things that really kind of make people interested in what's going on. And, and the dinosaur for me just had that, that feeling of, of just, something that happened every year you recognize the holes you recognize the golf course it was hard it was it was familiar and and now it's it's here at Carlton Woods here in Houston and it just seems to be like like it's missing something um and and I know it takes years to build that up but what are your thoughts on on leaving uh the desert well, I'll start with that. I mean, it yeah, is. You uh, won the first one. You, yeah. you know. Yeah, right. I mean, 50 years in, in one location. I mean, that's tradition personified. And kudos for Chevron for stepping out. Understandable that they would bring it to their home area. And they, they did a phenomenal job. I, they had a past champions dinner and, uh, you know, a pro-am with some juniors. And they did a really nice job. But, uh, you know, the energy is not anywhere near the same. The galleries, I mean, the hype, uh, you know, just Mission Hills was just, it was a perfect venue. And Statue of Dinah, and I mean, and I have to laugh because I see the wall and they brought a Champions Tour event. And so, you know, so the guys are walking by this wall of all the women that won a major <laughs> championship. So it, it, it's a lot of irony in there. And uh you know, progress, it's progress, it's money. So um, I've said my piece. <laughs> yeah, but there was always something about it. It kind of was like the Masters, you know, it was one of those golf courses, everybody knew everything about the golf course and, you know, whether to go for it on 18 or, you know, certain things about the course that that everybody knows, just like, every, I think, you know, well, obviously Augusta is probably the most famous public golf course that everybody knows it that's never played it you know and the same thing was with Dinah and, and we had enormous galleries it was it was just a it was the event you wanted to make because you had to qualify for it and then they changed the qualifying in the end and it wasn't the same I mean it was you had to have a third or better to even qualify to play in the Dinah so that was the first goal every year was to try to make it to Dinah you're yeah. right it, it, was it, a, was. it was a big deal it was the Masters, you know, yeah. in, yep. in a sense that that you know the U.S. Open, the the British. Sorry for the people right. who don't like me saying British. <laughs> I say, keep um, saying it too. Yeah, the LPGA. There are different venues every year, right? Now, yeah. albeit there are great venues, but 
that familiarity with Mission Hills and with Augusta National, it just it just makes it something special. And it's it's uh it's sad to see it gone from there. Yeah. You know, I was curious for both of you. Um one of the things we're seeing in the amateur game is one of the fastest growing segments is is women's golf. And I think that's been the case for two, three years now. What is in, in both of your opinions? What's the state of the game from the amateur side for women and the professional side currently? Well, Janie should answer that seeing she has an LPGA clinic. Serious. Yeah, well, you know, uh, years ago I created, um, which now the PGA women's golf clinics, and we host those all over the country. And we are introducing so many women in business to the game. And it's been hugely successful. Uh, I mean, we realize we have like 40,000 past participants and so we think we've made a difference, but what I'm observing is that um, they, they're getting younger. And so yeah. we're, you know, when we first started the program, we were seeing, you know, maybe 40 to 50 year olds. And now we're seeing, you know, the 20 something. So companies are sending the women uh, to our program because they realize the importance of learning golf, not just because it's a game, but because it's about developing relationships. It's about the discipline. It's about focus, you know, uh, strategy. It's all the things that business really incorporates and encompasses. And so by learning to play the game of golf, it's just, it's really enhancing the careers of women. So to see this new group of younger women entering the scene is fantastic. And then the challenge um, is, Jan knows, is keeping them in the game because the access, uh, particularly up in the New England area, access isn't always that easy. You know, it's still, uh, discrimination is still quite prevalent with many clubs, it's hard to join. And COVID really kind of uh, extended that difficulty because it's so hard to get into a club anymore. You know, courses that we're begging for members are now saying, sorry, you've got a 10 year wait to even be considered. I think something that was interesting when I was at the PGA of America and I was running the drive chip of putt and even the, the PGA Junior League at the time, we saw the percentage of girls participating far exceeding the regular numbers of women in golf. And I always thought that was a great barometer looking forward. And I've been, you know, Brent and I, especially being PGA members on the grassroots, uh, helping doing anything we can to get rid of the barriers for people to get into the game of, of gender, of color, it doesn't matter. And it is frustrating, uh, Jane, to see still, still some of those stigmas, some of those things that are out there. And I've told people, when the ladies come out to my club, I want them to feel safe. And it seems like a funny word to say at a golf facility. <laughs> But it's true. Uh, it's just not used to be in that safe environment. Um, so to me, it's really important. And you make the key to you is where I really get on my soapbox is the retention factor, because the whole industry does everything in the front end, pat themselves on the back, exposure, exposure, and then zero on retention. It drives me nuts. Well, the hardest part about golf for women is that it's the most difficult. I mean, when you look at all the statistics they fill out, they say it's too hard it takes too long and it's too expensive. And, you know, women are always looking for specials and sales. You know, I own a golf course and and uh, people come to my pro shop to shop. It's the opposite of typical golf course. All I have for the men is gloves and hats and balls and everything else is for women. And, and, it's, and they go, wow, you're the only one in the area that does that. And it's like, because I'm a woman and I understand 
that, but you have to, you can't keystone anything. You've got to give sales all the time because it's it's just inherent of our nature, I guess. But um, the hardest part is that the tees the are still not right. I mean, it's hard to believe you can play yep. a new golf course. And I have, I see this all the time. I mean, I mean, Brendan, you've, I've seen you, we played a golf course, well, a small one out in Orlando and it was, it, the tees were almost fair. And, but it's, it's really amazing that they, they don't understand that they're supposed to hit holes in regulation. I, I'm, I put some forward tees over in at Innisbrook, and they said, "Well, that's too the par five's too easy now because we can reach it in three. And it's like you're supposed to, <laughs> you know. And it's just amazing that right. they that we can't get them to get through to that. And I, I think, I think, well, I know um, that there are some places that leave the tees further back to deter women from playing. Of course. Yeah. It's sad. Wow. I, I know of a particular club in the Hope Sound area that does that. Wow. <laughs> well, that wouldn't surprise me, but you know, I mean, even when we played, when we played the the mixed team years ago and when they, they were shocked how far they had to keep moving the tees up to get it equal where we were hitting the same clubs in and they, and the tour players hit it in exponentially further than an average woman does. You know, that you never see a club champion woman hit it as far as a tour player, but you'll see a man club champion hit it as far as a tour player. Yep. And so the tees are really, I mean, you really have to look at the numbers, but I know when they finally figured it out in the, at the tour, and this is tour, like I said, tour level, it was 75 yards to 100 yards on a par five. It was 35 yards to 40 yards on a par three and 50 yards on a par four. And they were shocked that that was, had to be that, that much difference. That, and that, that almost doesn't seem enough. Well, that's tour players too. I mean, if it's yeah. with women, it's definitely got to go up further than that. Yeah. Well, I, I have to pipe in on one of my pet peeves, <laughs> and that's the guys that play from the back tees that should be so far yes. forward it's because it's the macho yes. thing it's like hey you know i gotta play <laughs> the back tees and they're the ones that take five hours to play and hold the entire right. field up. Yep. and i see it so often in fact i have been very rude at my club <laughs> um at the rich club where we just played yep. djs and i've seen some guys and i said guys you got it all wrong you got to move up you can't hit it far enough <laughs> Yeah, That's but one of the, they're drinking their 20 white claws. So that yeah. <laughs> you got it. Yep. That, the Yahoos. Yeah. That, that could be a don't be that guy, Annie. But I, one of my one of my little uh, what do you call it? Little uh, joys in life is when there's a force of my guys coming up to the first tee and they see some ladies ahead. And I go up to the guys and I go, if you catch them, I'll buy you a pitcher of beer and full wings inside. <laughs> after, after 30 years, I am batting a thousand, not having to buy any because they just, the ladies hit it and they move and it's beautiful. And the guys will just be feeling like this is a bashing the guy show as well. So <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, actually, they, they, have, they have stats on that and women yeah. do play. It's, it's not, it's not a big difference, but it's somewhere like five or six minutes faster. Yeah, I believe that. You know, I wanted to go back quick to Jan's uh, thought of of having the mixed team competition. When I was the pro at the little nine-hole winter park course here in uh, the Orlando area, one of our biggest events was the men versus women's tournament that we did every year. And I, I just, clubs that can cater 
to everyone, especially the women, are the clubs that are the most successful. I've seen that time and time again. And Bobby and I were talking about that uh, prior to everybody logging on is, you know, as far as the economics of golf, if you cater to women at your club, you're going to be successful. No question yeah. about it. I've done that for my whole career. The, the women will control not over ninety percent of the spend in the high uh, in the high in the household. Over ninety percent of the scheduling, and that's important because when I get all the ladies out of my club, they bring the kids, they bring the husbands, they bring the whole family, and that's one key that I've used to grow my business. And yeah, Brent, Brent and I were talking about it. It's just a shame in the industry; it's not looked upon the right way. It's still. And I've said in, in, in these workshops I did around the country, so you have one of the ladies play the ladies' tee. It's typically three football fields away from the green. Yeah. So that's a long way for a new lady golfer, but then an established lady golfer is just not playing as well as she wants. That's still a long way. So this whole team ground structure, you're right, um, Janet, it needs to be addressed. The whole industry needs to have a level set, a new set. Um, there's a lot of work to be done, isn't there? There is. And, and you know, and I, I actually, going back to a mixed President's Cup, if we had more events like they do in Australia and Japan, where they are mixed, maybe then that would trickle down to the club level. And it just makes it so much fun because now, you, you know, it's great to be able to go watch. And, you know, and Janie will remember this. It was when Billie Jean King came and spoke to us when at one time, this was in the 70s when she's when we were trying to get our prize money up for the US Open. And she said, if you all boycott it and stick together, because in the tennis, if we, we all play for the same amount of prize money, but we all play at the same venue, and sometimes there'll be a famous man that carries it, and sometimes there'll be a you know a, a woman that's gonna carry it. But if you if you did it together, it just is so much more because there's so much mixed tennis and and it's never really been that we've almost been the opposite in in golf if the pga are playing in the west we play in the east it's like we try you know it's like poison to even be in the same town that's why everybody has been freaking out over the Ryder cup and solheim and i think it was great to have back-to-back -back events no you're right we're we're in silos and it's uh you know we have talked it's it's too bad that you know the closest they got was that they had the open at men's open at Pinehurst and the women's yep. open at Pinehurst back to back, but yep. that's not, it, it, you're segregated. <laughs> you're same yep. venue, but that, that doesn't, that doesn't cut the mustard, uh, to, you know, toward the equality. And I remember that so well, you know, getting Billie Jean to come and speak and, and encourage the players to stand up for their rights and had the women, had they done that, we'd be a lot farther ahead than we are today. Yes. If, if I'm not mistaken, the U.S. Open tennis has been paying the same for, yeah, like for a long time. Years. Yeah, um, probably five or six years, something like oh, that. Oh, that's it. But it's amazing, yeah. But it's I still thought it was longer than that. Yeah, the majors. Well, they had the controversy. You know, should women have to play five sets to have it equal? And they tried that. I think uh, just barely touched upon that. But it's, uh, you what, know, what they want, they ordinary. want a pay per hour deal. Is yeah. that what <laughs> I mean, that's a bad argument right there. But, you know, but, you know, the tennis had art because they're playing in the same venues. And so who are you paying to watch the men or the women when they play the same, you know, in the same venue during the same day? So uh, golf doesn't have that luxury. Yes. 
And Jane, I wanted to pick up on something, and uh, we'd like to do a little segues here in our show, but um, when you mentioned about the, well, women in society and making inroads and trying to make progress, and it, it goes into sports, and what you've done in your team, and Sue and Chris and just Robin with the uh, with your company about the you know, legends of the LPGA and having Jan and having Pat Bradley and Michelle McGann and how Stacy, like all this amazing ladies that have done historic things in golf. And if you look back some years ago, the men had this smattering of senior exhibitions and senior sort of two person events, and it morphed into the senior, the champion store now. And so what you're doing, again, you're being a trailblazer and trying to get the legends of the LPGA into more of a, hopefully, and what we're doing here at the Woodford club in Kentucky is helping you to get this tour really established and just finally get the women senior players the form they need to keep showing they're great golfers. Oh, absolutely. And Jan and I were at the forefront of the, you know, the Legends Tour, now Legends of the LPGA. But the, you know, the guys had the luxury of the PGA paying for the purses supporting them. And quite candidly, we haven't had the support at the LPGA. We've had to do it on our own. Um, You know, the name is there, but I'm just being quite honest. We could use a little more help from them. (laughs) In fact, the the LPGA senior is a a week, I mean, the uh, women's senior open is a million dollar purse and the LPGA senior, you know, is less than half of that. So the LPGA really needs to step it up. But we are so grateful for the Woodford Club and, you know, coming to Versailles, and I have to say that properly, uh, <laughs> we'll be there soon, uh, yep. nine of us. And you saw the, you know, Hall of Famers, great names, but also those with personality. And, uh, you know, we're excited about that event and, you know, just uh, so grateful that you I know I'm excited to us. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to have fun and it's a team event. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, I think that's uh, that's really special. I'm looking well, forward up, to it. Yeah, it's coming up October 4th and 5th, and we're excited. This community is excited, and we want to be at the fourth. You know, we want to help foundationally do everything we can for the uh, Legends of the LPGA. We happen to be in Bourbon, part of the Bourbon capital of the world, the horse <laughs> capital of the world. So uh, we do have a tour set up for all the players over at uh, Coolmore. It's Ashford Sud Farm. And they have two Triple Crown winners over there, American Pharaoh and Justify. Oh, um, wow. So that's going to be our, yeah. I, I know many of the ladies and Jan, you like the uh, the horse side of the business. So that's going to be an exciting tour. Well, of course, I like the bourbon side too. Of <laughs> course. <laughs> I want to I want to check out the bourbon side, definitely. I mean, I'm, and, I'm part of the Look at that in June. It's going to give you more time to savor. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I mean, Janie's the one that taught me because I was always in a hurry, and and we went to Australia one time, and and uh, and I, I, she, I'd be, she was still on her appetizer, and I was already through my whole meal, and she's like, "You've got to learn to savor and not be in a hurry." So, <laughs> definitely. So well, we have... in June, we'll, we'll do the bourbon thing in June, and not just one. We'll do a, uh, we'll do a few of them. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's going to okay. be. But we'll do it after the uh, after the tournament. Bob. Definitely. <laughs> How are you both playing right now? Playing pretty good. Well, you know, Janie is. She just won. Actually, yeah. I, it was, 
I hadn't played in a while, so it was uh, I didn't play as well as I hoped, but I was practicing all today and I'm, and Janie will understand. I think I found something, so that's good. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still looking. Uh, all I can say is <laughs> I can putt. And so yep. I have my partner hit the ball extremely well. And so I'm sure that's going to be the case when we come to uh, the Woodford Club. But as long as I can still make my putts, I can, uh, you know, hold my own. Yep, me and, too. and let's 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 be honest here. If you're not still looking, then you're not playing golf. <laughs> that's, so. right. that's true. I know. I video my swing every day. So, <laughs> well, the good thing is, uh, uh, many many people have. Uh, we're grateful that we're known as uh, best putting the best green surfaces in Central Kentucky. So, you can roll the rock and make some putts out here. It's it's going to be fun. Oh, that's uh, good news. Oh, yeah. Uh, I want to turn it over to uh, my colleague, Mr. Heidorn, because uh, we have a fun little segment, the hot seat. So he's going to do a double hot seat and show his talent. <laughs> and so you're already squirming. I know it, but uh, he'll, he'll be easy on you. OK, they're <laughs> simple questions. Um, and I'll I'll say a question. Jane, you answer first. Jan, you answer second. How's that? Hmm. She gets okay. to learn from me. <laughs> so, yeah. well, at the turn we switch yeah there you okay. go we could alternate okay, okay that's that's a good that's a good one um okay so uh jane what is your lowest 18 hole score it is uh 63 jan i shot 64 the last round of the mary Kay. i was i had i started with a five shot lead and i finished up winning by 10 nice <laughs> Okay, Jan. In fact, I actually have on my wall. I have the original, the first, the what happened was it was it broke the LPJ record for it was 18 under for 54 holes. And they only had they'd only went up to 12 and under in the the little red things that you know the carry. Yeah. So I've got the one where they made it into an they made it and made it into an eight. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I have to go back to my answer. Because yep. I was correct, but Jan will remember it was in Japan and I did it to win the tournament. Oh, and yes. And was at the celebration. It's when I introduced Jan to fine wine because uh, we did uh, order some spectacular. We started with Dom Pignon and the Japanese restaurant ran out of it. So then we <laughs> went to a fine <laughs> burgundy and enjoyed it. I every remember that. Oh, okay, I'm done with that now. It's my first hangover. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> Okay, Jan, what are your three favorite golf courses that you've played? Oh, well, Cypress Point is by far. I got to play it this year in the uh, past champions at the U.S. Open. And I love a golf course called um, New South Wales in Sydney. It's, again, it's a Mackenzie. And then I love Magenta Shores, which is up in my hometown in Australia. Awesome. Jan? Oh, okay. Uh, Cypress Point is always my favorite. And I did play New South Wales with Jan when we were in Australia. And that was unbelievable. I mean, you just, it's the scenery. It's its everything about it. And then uh, I, I probably a toss up, but one of my hidden gems is Catansit in the southern mm -hmm. part of uh, Massachusetts. Yes. A couple of us have played that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, Jane, uh, what are the three courses you would like to play that you haven't played? We start with Pine Valley. Uh, and then let's see, I have, uh, oh gosh, I played a lot of them. Um, I haven't played, uh, Port Rush. 
So the Northern Ireland part, I, I would enjoy playing. So that's two. And let's, uh, gosh, uh, L.A. Country Club. Jan? That's a good one. I mean, I've pretty much done my whole bucket list of courses. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you guys, you guys have had better access <laughs> than most people that are asked these questions. But I know. I mean, I don't know that there's a course that I haven't played that I want to play. I mean, I played a lot when Greg Norman and I were doing Australian series over in Europe, and we got to play all of the British courses on on TV. And so, and, and up until then, I hadn't played them all. Uh, so. It's been a long time though. That was in the '80s, but I, I I pretty much played everything I want to play. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, um, Jan. I know I'm going to screw the Jan Jane up thing, but <laughs> trying. I'm so trying far, to... you're doing good. It's your turn, Jan. So name the three best players of all time, male or female. Well, I, I love Ben Hogan. Um, you know, I lived in Fort Worth in the summertime and I got to, and I was a member at Shady Oaks. So every, every time I came home and I, on Tuesday morning, um, I had lunch with him every Tuesday and then watch him hit balls when I came home. So I, I, uh, his golf swing was special. He was, I think he was ahead of his time. I still try to do a lot of his moves. Um, especially I, I actually, I have two golf swings on my, refrigerator ben hogan and bryson and when bryson went through i actually told him at the, at the live event in boston last year that i said because um i always take his pictures video of his swing and he said do you want to video my my swing i said no because it's ruined and he was shocked because i said since you've been trying to hit make it long drive you you don't have the i showed him my picture of him on my on the refrigerator and said, this is when I liked your golf swing. And so he was kind of shocked. And I said, I don't like it anymore. So, um, and then I don't know if there's anyone else that I'm really impressed with that uh, those two, uh, I, I, uh, you know, I were okay, way just to remind you, the question was the three best players of all time. Oh, best players. Well, I'm not, I'm not letting you answer Bryson on that. <laughs> Well, I guess I can answer Ben Hogan on that, but I guess I have to say, which I'm going to say Annika, yeah. uh, only because the one time we were going to Australia and she, it, she was, it, we were all, I went, I got up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, you know, cause you go down at night and, and uh, she was the only one up with a computer. And I said, what are you doing? And she said, I'm figuring out how to be number one. And this was when she was very young on tour. And I said, well, what did you figure out? And she said, if I can be the best from 100 yards in, all I have to do is improve. I have to be 61% and I'll be number one. And so she started on that quest and I've never seen anyone be that dedicated to do it. And she did it. Yeah, that's a good choice. You got one more. Oh, I do? Oh, you're not counting Bryson? I mean, you're not allowed <laughs> to use Bryson. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I guess you, you have to put, you have to say Nicholas, you know, I mean, I, I've played a lot of exhibitions with Jack and in, in uh, over the years and he, again, he's, he was different from Annika, but he definitely believed in himself. But then I say that, and you know what, I'm taking that back. I'm going to say Lopez. I'll tell you why I say Lopez, because I've never seen anyone that didn't believe she was the best. She was the absolute greatest player. Right. Okay, Jane, three best of all time. 
Okay, Mickey Wright, uh, just unbelievable in every every category. Um, Byron Nelson, you know, he he in a short period of time he won so much, so it's hard to you know compare. But what he did was just absolutely but phenomenal. And uh, gosh, I mean, I'd love to say Babe Zaharias, but I don't think she, you know, her health and everything probably prevented her from doing more. And uh, I have to go with Nicholas. Okay, good. All right, Jane, what is the best part of your game and the worst part of your game? Um, the worst part of my game was my fairway shots. Thank God they embedded hybrids. But I'm also glad they didn't invent them. Um, but when right now, I mean, I've always been an excellent putter, but the best part of my game were my long irons. Okay. I could hit two and three irons with the best of them. I agree. Jan, best and worst. Well, I think now my what I am now is different to what I was when I felt like I was at my best. I think when I was at my best, um, driving was the best part of my game. I never missed a fairway. And I was a really good iron player. And I always said that my putting was my most inconsistent part. But now my putting is by far the best part of my game. I've lost a lot of power. And so driving is probably the worst. So my game has totally turned reverse. Okay. It's only because you hit it so close all the time. You felt <laughs> like a good putter because you hit so many good shots. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, yeah, I was a good iron player for sure. Yeah, really great ball striker. Okay, Jan, uh, what skill is most important to play great golf? What is, what is the question? What skill is most important? It could be a physical or mental skill. Um, what skill is the most important to be able to play great golf? Well, it's no question mental. I mean, it, the golf has changed, over, like I said, because of when, you know, my game has changed and so is the game of golf. Now power is probably the most important, but I still think mental. That people that I've seen that from Tiger to you know, Lopez to to everybody I've seen that's done well, they totally believe in themselves and they, they have goals and those goals, nothing can sway them from those goals. So mental. Awesome. Jane. Touch. Touch. Oh, right. that's a good one. That's a, yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Just natural touch. down, Andy. You know, sadly, that's um it's not talked about that much because there's so much in analytics and all these new kind of, you know, uh, you know, the aim point and and the, you know, I, I see juniors out there, you know, with a with a book in their hand. For before they hit a chip shot, and that just saddens me because it's kind of the the natural touch and feel um, is, is so very important. Look at Victor Hovland. What's yeah. changed his game? It's a it's the short game, but it's yeah. touch. Yeah, that's a good it's point. Not, it's not it's not contrived. You know, it it has it can't be robotic. It has to yeah. be natural. Okay, Jane, PJ Tour or Lib. <laughs> Well, I have to go with PGA Tour, but also I, I'm disappointed the PGA Tour caved in and started creating these designated events with the huge purse money, which has alienated some of those tournaments that um, don't have the $20 million to put up for purse, which means $50 million. And so now they're second-class citizens. 
So um, I'm sad that the PGA felt compelled to do that and that they, uh, you know, broke the bank, um, you know, with their legal fees and had to, uh, you know, do whatever they had to do. Yeah. Jan? Well, I mean, I've been to both and I love the tradition of golf. And so, you know, when you get to a live event, you know, it, it's taken all of that out of it. It's very entertaining and it's fun and exciting. And I know what Greg was trying to do was to bring other golf, you know, other people into the game of golf. But there's something about the class of golf. You know, everybody dresses yeah, you know, I love when we have junior events at my course, and it's I love to see these little kids show up with the with their shirts tucked in and a belt and a hat and and look classy. And there's one thing about golf is that that it's it's just a class sport. You know, you don't hear of all of these horrible things happening with with golfers. It's and and I hate to see that go away. I love the fact that they're trying to bring a new new people to golf. I mean, look at top golf they say is the reason a lot of the millennials play but it's not real golf <laughs> and so i'm still a traditionalist so i guess the pga i didn't like them acting like a big bully when live started i thought they you know now they look stupid because they they said things that they've had to take back but they should have just let it go and see what happens and i didn't like that part but you you can't you got to go with the pga okay last question who, uh, Jim, this is for you first. Who's your favorite golfer, past or present of all time? Well, I've already answered that. I think Ben Hogan is awesome. He was, he was actually had more sense of humor than people realize. And he was kind of sarcastic, but, um, and he was very much a gentleman, but I just, I just liked everything he did was, was you know, he dressed every day in a suit. And then he dressed, you know, when he came for lunch, he just, he's, he, to me, exemplifies, you know, the perfect gentleman. Jan or Jane, sorry. I knew yeah. I did it once. You did it once. So you were doing good I until then. I, I mean, I Andy did you great. Mickey writes, I mentioned her golf swing was just the best ever. But the person I really have enjoyed playing with over the years uh, is Joanne Carner. And she's such a personality in the game of golf. So Big Mama is pretty special. Awesome. So the first dual hot seat double hot seat <laughs> <laughs> thanks, well thanks Nicole. annie you did a great job yeah, thanks only only one bogey for me <laughs> yeah the last one yeah you know jan and i are used to being on hot seats so we're not <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was Hopefully good calm, calm under fire <laughs> it was some good yeah we've been doing this a while and and you had some real real good yeah. fresh answers real really good perspective that was excellent. That was really, really good. Um, so we've uh, played a few holes tonight, and we're coming up 18 to the 18th green, and we're going to go around the around the circle with some closing thoughts. But we didn't touch on the Ryder Cup, so we're going to add a little something here. We'll go to everybody, and we're going to start with Brendan, and we need your Ryder Cup pick and then your closing final thought. Oh. Why do you make me go first, Bobby? <laughs> um, I'll say the U.S. retain, um, but it'll be close. It'll come down to those singles matches like it always tends to. Um, and maybe maybe we'll have a treat and get what we saw this past week with the Solheim Cup where it really comes down to the wire. That would be fun. Um, my final thought, first and foremost, thank you, ladies, for coming on. It was 
I, I got to say, guys, this has probably been one of the best shows we've had. And we've had a lot of good guests on, but wow. perspective and, and your insight has been fantastic. So thank you so much for coming on. Um, my final thought, I don't want to get all hyped up about Charlie Woods, but 66 with that on the bag, <laughs> he's trending. He's trending. <laughs> yep. <laughs> all right, you're, way, you're, you're next on the tee, Andrew. Okay, first, we're going to dive into the don't be that guy slash girl pool. Um, so last week at the Solheim Cup, um, Celine Boutier, who's one of the best players on the European team, complained to her captain uh, after her morning match um, playing with Georgia Hall that, you know, Georgia didn't play well and and she complained to Suzanne Pedersen that she wanted to play with somebody else. She didn't want to play with Georgia. Um, and then uh, Suzanne suggested she play with Leona McGuire, and she said she didn't want to play with her either. So <laughs> what did Suzanne do? She sat her, which is awesome. Um, so to Celine, don't be that girl. That's just, <laughs> that's just the wrong way to go about this stuff. And to Suzanne, kudos for her for uh, making the right call and sitting perhaps one of the best players in the world. So my Ryder Cup pick is I don't care because in today's day and age, like some of my favorite players in the world are on the European team. Yep. Um, so if I'm forced to pick, I'll probably say that the Euros will win only because the U.S. hasn't won on foreign soil since like, I don't know, 1850 or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, been a while. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my that's my pick. And my final thought is, again, like Brendan said, it's been great to have Jane and Jan on. And, and again, our most highly decorated panel we've ever had. And, and uh, it's nice to talk about the women's game and and uh, get some perspective some from some real icons of the game. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, Jam, we're going to go to you first. Okay, well, I, I America's probably going to win. I would like to see Europe win for the same reason I wanted Solheim to do it because I think it's good for the game and 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 it's fun to celebrate in your home country, in your home territory. I think that's just everybody's – it's just the best when you can do that. So I'm, I'm hoping that Europe wins. So um, – and it's going to be great. They're all playing. I mean, I'm interested to see how the rookies do on the European mm -hmm. team, but there's a lot of rookies. I mean, we've got right. two, Wyndham and Brian Harmon, but they're not really rookies where we've got some pretty young ones. You know, we've got Sepp Straker, and then you've got Ludwig and, and, uh, Abe, and uh, who's the other one? Hoygaard. Uh, yeah, and Hoygaard. Yeah. So it's going to be fun to see how they do, and I'm sure they're going to be so nervous because it is not – the, every single player has said the most nervous anyone's ever been is on the first tee at, at Ryder Cup or Solheim. So that's going to be fun to watch. The bottom line for me is that that it's sad to see that the LPGA did not support us. I mean, Janie started this tour 20, probably more than 20 years ago, 25 years ago. And I just think it's sad that when they do finally get it going, like they have with the Women's Senior Open, that all of us, the, the Nancy of this world and Pat Bradley and myself, but we're too old to actually win one. 
I want to say here, here. I agree. All right, Jane, we'll uh, wrap up with your uh, Ryder Cup pick and final thoughts. Okay, uh, I think the uh, Euros are going to win the Ryder Cup. They have more fun, <laughs> and there's definitely more of a, a team feeling. Um, and it's just it's fun to root for them. I mean, there's an energy. Um, so that's that. And uh, agree with Jan. The USGA waited too long to start the Women's Senior Open because they lost. I mean, gosh, they dragged their heels, and we tried and tried for so many years. Um, but now we're looking forward to the Woodford Club. So yeah. That's move right. Over USGA, move over LPGA. And uh, and the great thing is it's not just this event, the nine of us that are coming uh, you know, shortly. It's uh we're gonna be there for years to come in a very, very special event. So uh thank you to all you guys and thank you to the Woodford Club. Well, we are we're definitely wicked excited and we are going <laughs> to start something quite special next October. Uh, well, the, the next week, October 4th and 5th. Um, I have already put it out there that I do believe the European team will win the Ryder Cup. I just think, sort of really, to, to Jane, that this, the dynamics, uh, I don't know about some of the selections that uh, Captain Zach Johnson made. I mean, I think it's going to be very, very close. It could be coming up to that final hole again, uh, but I just thought the Europeans would win. Uh, my final thought is congratulations to my son, Robert Jr., <laughs> passing the PAT. So we're going to have yes. a third PGA member. In the awesome. Baldessaris. Wow, uh, I love it. Yeah, so my my dad was a 53-year member. I'm probably 34 or 5. And we got the young young buck coming up. So good on you, mate, as you would say. <laughs> I love yeah. it. That's an yeah. saying. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, that's exciting. So, uh, I, you know, again, the Whitford uh, Legends Invitational. I'll see, I will see you two next week, and we will have some wicked good bourbon. We will look at some amazing. <laughs> All right. Uh, and we'll yeah. make some, there's a lot of people looking forward to, to seeing you two and the other seven legends coming to town. So can't thank you enough uh, for joining us this evening. It's been a spectacular show. And unfortunately, Alan and Christine, you lost out again. You missed yeah. a wicked Sorry, awesome guys. show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, we'll see you real soon. So thanks again. Oh, thank okay. you. It was nice to talk to you all. Thank you. Thanks for having us. See you, Jane. You only have one opportunity to sell your golf property. Shouldn't you partner with an expert that offers you 30 plus years of golf industry experience combined with the reach of a global leader in real estate? Collier's International Golf Brokerage and Advisory Services understands your unique business needs. Whether it is brokerage, management, and consulting, be reassured that the market leader in the business of golf is providing you the real answers and practical solutions you deserve. Contact Golf Talk Live co-host and Collier's Golf Advisory Services member, Alan DePew, today at 717-554-8519. That's 717-554-8519.